Movie Sucktastic is a podcast about bad movies and the people that love them. But it's more than just a podcast. It's an, also an online presence. If you want to know more about Movie Sucktastic or want to become a part of Movie Sucktastic, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, at Movie Sucktastic. You can find our blog at boothreviews.blogspot.com. Or if you want to give your own reviews that we might use on the show, you can go to reviews.moviesucktastic.com and check out our, our own little lunch.com community for Movie Sucktastic. Check us out and become a part of the show because the only thing more fun than a bad movie is sharing it. David Lightman was a master at computer games. A fast thinker. Oh, David! Maybe you could tell us who first suggested the idea of reproduction without sex. Your wife? Get out, Lightman. And a promising student an old game Hi. with an electronic twist. Are those your grades? Yeah. I don't think that I deserved it, F. Do you? You can go to jail for that. Only if you're over 18. This computer company is coming out with these amazing new games in a couple of months. And I want to play those games. Wow. What? We got something. He found the right code word to play the game. We're in. But it was the wrong computer. Shall we play a game? How can I ask you that? How about mobile thermal nuclear war? Fine. All right. What the hell? The trajectory headings for multiple impact re-entry vehicles. What's that mean? I don't know, but it's great. All stations, this is Crystal Palace. I wonder if I should use my subs. 22 Typhoon-class submarines departing Petropavlov. What in the hell's happening here? Oh, my God. Shall we play? I have seven. Correction, eight. That's eight Redbirds. Get on the sack. Tell them to flush the bombers. Russians are still denying everything, sir. Who are you working with? Nobody. Why don't I believe you? Over day, we have Soviet missile warning. Based on the arrest pending indictment for espionage. Espionage? Confidence is high. I repeat, confidence is high. Cobra Dane, is this an exercise? Negative, this is not an exercise. Me the president on the horn. It's still playing the game. It's gonna start a war. Close up the mouth. Is this a game or is it real? War Games. Playing soon at a theater near you. Shall we play? You're listening to Movie Sucktastic.
dude, dude. Whoa, dude, dude, no! Oh! Well, hello, good friend. There, I thought I lost you. No. No, that was a two and a half minute trailer for for the fucking movie. <laughs> I tried to find the shortest trailer I could, and well, I couldn't. <laughs> so. They didn't make long tra short trailers in the eighties. No, well, I, well, even back then it was two and a half minutes, which is still uh, which is still a bit. I'd like to try and get off the ground at some point. Judging a movie by the two and a half minute trailer, then watching the movie, and then seeing if we were right. I still like uh, that idea. I, I like that idea, just, just not watching it. <laughs> like, did you just watch the Death Wish trailer? By any I chance? did. Uh, before we recorded tonight, somebody else, uh, Stephen, had uh, messaged me. He said, hey, have you seen the Bruce Willis Death Wish trailer? It's like, oh, God, no. I forgot about that. He says, what? yeah, it sucks. Like, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have to watch it. Now, I watched half of it. And, I mean, I didn't hate what I saw, but what I felt I saw was too much. They give it, away so much in the trailers now. Uh, all I'm going to say is, and, we, I, you know, I've read the book, watched the movie. Right. We, you know, and we, we, you know, maybe I might be a bit more invested than some other people. I don't think it looks like a bad movie, but it doesn't, it's not Death Wish. No, it doesn't feel I mean, like it either. To an extent, I mean... I mean, the the main problem I have with it is because they they didn't do it in the book and they didn't do it in the first film. He didn't track down. Uh, he he never killed Jeff Goldblum. That's right. They ne he, he never got them. Yeah, he didn't actually track down. It was it was re it was just a reaction towards that powerlessness of the time period. I mean, there's so much you could do with that now and do a straight serious film, and all they're doing is Die Hard with a Death Wish. <laughs> which I'm fine with that. I'll watch it and I'll right. enjoy it, but it's not Death Wish. Now, I, I will say though, I understand why they might have decided to go that route. Uh, for you know what, for Eli Roth doing this, it's a swing and a miss because he nailed it when he did that Cannibal movie, The Green Inferno. Oh, okay. A lot of people I haven't seen it yet. A lot of people that I know that have seen it hated it. A lot of people don't give it a chance and they don't pay attention the film's smarter than you think it is okay uh and also if you don't have a background in cannibal films from the 70s it's a little lost on you <laughs> you know <laughs> it, it, it's funny that you should you should say that <laughs> hey I, i've seen plenty of these i know an homage when i see one <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but and i think that's what kind of disappointing about this eli roth film is this feels like him aiming for the mainstream right. instead of i mean uh i would compare this to look at what they did with death sentence i was going to bring up death sentence and that which now here's the thing with that that doesn't it, feel like a death wish movie it's not a death wish movie it's the same it author no, all right here's the thing death the second death wish book was called death sentence it was a direct sequel to death wish okay they took that and they did nothing with it. They did. They made up their own complete story. Death Sentence was kind of a remake of Death Wish, on the foundation of Revenge. The, uh, no, on on the foundation of the the actual sequel book. Oh, I see what you're saying. But what I think Death Wish, what Death Sentence does match that uh, to Death Wish is that dark feeling of hopelessness. Oh yeah. It's not a joy. It's not a joyful uh, vigilante film. 
this Death Wish remake is a joyful I, death vigilante film. I, I don't even remember even chuckling or laughing during the death sentence. No. I don't remember nothing. any scenes where I was like, oh, <laughs> nothing. Uh, except it was, except like, uh, oh, 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 he's going to fuck him up. You know, it's like there was... <laughs> yeah. No, no genuine humor. Just kind of like that dark, dark uh, gallows humor. Right. So I'll watch him do the funny dance. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the funny dance. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just so I. It's a huge swing and a miss, but unfortunately, I don't think that's what I. He wasn't aiming for death sentence. He's aiming for die hard with a death wish. Got it. And and it. I like I said. I, I'll watch it and I'll like it, but if, if you're going to call it a Death Wish sequel, just just call it something. Just, just call it the fucking uh, Avenging Angel, Bruh. and move on. You know, you, you know, you, they could honestly, if they didn't call it Death Wish, all people would say is, "Oh, it's reminiscent of Death Wish." But this episode, we're reviewing War Games from That's 1983. Right. We're talking about War Games. Yes. Uh, two things I want to mention. Two things. One. Two things. One. I want to um, clarify. I, I had incorrectly stated last week that Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker were in was in this film, and I want to clarify that I that I mistakenly said Sarah Jessica Parker when I meant Ali Sheedy. Sarah Jessica Parker is actually Matthew Broderick, uh, Broderick's real life wife. So right, and and with that and considered, I think thermonuclear war is probably the better choice. Yep. <laughs> Um, uh, so, yeah, I'm watching. I was watching War Games of Holly, and at one point, because oh yeah, but now he's with Horseface. It's like, who? T- what do you mean? So like, he married that uh, Sex of the City chick. That like, he did. Yeah. So how come he did? It's like how come he didn't wa- know that? It's like because I didn't want to know that. Because <laughs> that that saddens me. Sad. Uh, and, so and, and part of me is also like, yeah, that's why Matthew Broderick isn't like a lot of stuff anymore because she sucked the joy out of his life. Right. It's oh, you know what it's probably it's probably penance for killing people with his car. You knew that, right? No. He was in Ireland or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he yeah, ended okay, up he yeah. ended up. Uh, I think someone was on a bicycle or or another car. I think it was another car actually, and he was put under the influence, but they can't prove it. Or it was like some crazy shit where other people than him died. Worst, worst Furious Bueller sequel ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that should be a great Ferris Bueller sequel. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Guantanamo Bay, <laughs> Rikers Island. Ferris Bueller's Day in Court. That's it. There you go. Hmm. Welcome to the Rock. <laughs> now it's, it's funny, and it's funny too because uh, before I watched this, I was just thinking about war games at work. And it dawned on me, and I don't know if I ever thought of it before, but it just it occurred to me that I, it never occurred to me that in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, when he changes his rec- his grades. Oh yeah, I noticed that today when I watched it's like it. A, it's like oh, that's, that was a direct homage to War Games, and I totally missed it because I was enjoying Ferris Bueller too much. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and the second huh? thing, the second thing uh, is, I want to apologize for even challenging this to you, because. <laughs> This is in no way a bad film. Well, yes and no. Well, there's too much that they do right, that they get right, and the the writing is actually very good, and the acting is very good. That. 
I, I, I did not have as many problems with this movie as I thought I was going to be. I, I would, yeah, I would say I thought I was going to. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that's actually commendable about this film. Uh, you know I, what I, I hate I though? You know what, what I hate though? It's at the very beginning of the film, where the two guys, the NORAD guys, they're coming in, and oh yeah, they're coming in and they go down into the bunker and all that, and they have this. Uh, uh, the, the the launch codes you know they, they you know they find out later that it was just a um a test but they have all this these launch codes and they're they're turning the key they're punching in the codes and they're building all this great tension and the scene ends and they go right into this shitty a team fucking music and it literally ruins everything that they because there is no music in the rest of the film that's like that yeah it, it's li- at the very end. Even then, it's not the same. You're right. It's not the think. same. But they build up all this great tension and ruin it like two seconds later with that horrible music. First thing that threw me off in the film is, is you have the guys going down into the bunker. And I'm, 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 I'm just like... I don't remember that scene, by the way. Oh, I remember. Well, I remember that, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't uh, remember it. And, and and I'm like, well, <laughs> the movie the, that scene starts. The first thing I say to Holly is, "Why don't you have a Pepsi?" <laughs> Why don't you have a Pepsi? For those playing the home game, that's a reference to spies like us. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the show, the two guys are going down, right. and I'm like, that can't be Michael Madsen. It's like, it, that it's, can't be Michael Madsen. It's look not. at him. And, but every time he would talk, it's like, it's Michael Madsen. I had to look it up. It's like, holy shit. That's a young fucking Michael Madsen. Is that Michael Madsen? That's Michael Madsen. I'm telling you. I was like, I, that's how that's how hard it is to tell because I was like torn. I'm like, that can't be fucking Michael Madsen. But then he would talk. They're like, wait, that's Michael Madsen, except like he's all smooth and pretty. <laughs> and and uh, and I, I had I had to confirm it. I was like, yeah, man, that's fucking Michael Madsen. Wow. It's insane. I, yeah, I, and, I, I did and, not notice that was him. You know what I love about that being Michael Madsen? Now you know why Mr. Blonde's so fucked in the head. <laughs> yeah. He, he had some launch codes that he was like, I'm ready to turn this fucking key. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Now, spoiler alert. Sir, spo- put your uh, hand alert. back on the key. <laughs> what, what, I, as I hadn't watched this film in a long time. Me neither. I, I didn't remember them like kind of showing you later that he didn't actually shoot him oh yeah yeah later on they show him just he's a, like oh a couple yeah, of scenes a- later where he's shaking his head side to side saying they're replacing us with a goddamn computer i mean he doesn't say that but his the look in his eyes his face says they're replacing us with a goddamn computer yeah what a mistake but, well yeah but then again like i'm like are you upset about that because it's just like last week your partner shot you in the fucking head <laughs> for all intents and purposes your partner shot you <laughs> and then stole the first aid kit what was that about oh man i just <laughs> shot clarence in the face <laughs> <laughs> but when michael Manson leaves he steals the first aid kit well, right <laughs> and no one says anything like yeah go ahead take it it's like why are you taking it he's the one you shot in the head <laughs> And and uh, and also uh, his part. What's his name? The actor, uh, uh, John Spencer. Uh, when they're when they're going down, he's talking about. Oh yeah, she puts her hands over the seeds. And I, I didn't even realize what he was saying. And then Holly's like, Scott, you know he's talking about pot, right? I say what? 
It's about growing pot. And then like later on, I was like, yeah, it's the best Maui Wowie ever. I said, holy shit, they're talking about pot. <laughs> Why is he talking about pot? <sighs> so the yeah, the opening was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also the nuclear alert guy when his when his voice came, when he said uh, there has been a nuclear alert, I swore that was Casey Kasem. <laughs> Did you look it up? I did no. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Casey. I didn't. Kasem, I did not see well, he, him in the. He was like, the and the, yeah, well, you don't want to open your launch codes to K to Alpha, Beta, Zappa, Groucho. No, it, it's really it, tough to come into these upbeat tempos yeah. <laughs> with a goddamn dead dog dedication. There were two times where the voices threw me off a hundred percent. One was Casey Kasem uh, alerting them to that they need the launch codes to, you know, to nuke somebody. Right. And then later in the third part of the third act of the film where they're sending the pilots to find these planes and they're not there oh right right the pilot for some reason is talking like he's on a sex chat line yeah. he says well no, no captain there's nothing down here i'm uh, it's smooth as glass out here and i'm not seeing a thing it's like <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> speaking of pot <laughs> right and that goes. I mean, that goes on for two or three lines, and he's like, uh, "No, I'm telling you, Captain, there's nothing up here at all." <laughs> I think he even goes, <sighs> "It was that off." You know, like, what's said, a- am I watching Iron Eagle? What the fuck's well, happening? This is. Well, I'm going through the cast list, and no, Casey Kasem isn't listed, right. but William H Macy is. He's yeah, one of the uncredited. Un- uncredited NORAD officers. Yeah, and when I was watching it, I was like, "All right, I'm." Uh, I, I put myself on William H Macy alert, and I failed. I did, I'm watching the film, and I did not see him. Oh. Oh well. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do a Google search while we're talking and see if I can find an image of it. Oh, that was him. What? That can't be him. I'm trying to find William H Macy in the movie, and it's it's uh. I can't tell because either he's too young to notice, and like he doesn't have the hair in War Games, so it's 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 True. weird. Now the other guy. Speaking of other uh, well-known actors in the film, obviously you've got um, uh, Damney Coleman. Yes, yes. Obviously. Uh, then you got uh, Barry Corbin, who's playing Ger- who plays General Berenger, who I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure generals aren't allowed legally to be that southern. <laughs> I think they have a buffer where you're not supposed to sound like um, uh, um, um, you're not supposed to sound like god damn it uh, fucking honeymooners honeymooners god, you mean, who, oh you mean Jackie Gleason Jackie Gleason Ralph I, I think as a general I don't think you're allowed you're allowed to sound like Jackie Gleason from the uh, toys uh, the toy ah I, I was okay. in every other sense I'm like it's U.S., not U.S. It's just, <laughs> no, stop, stop. Uh, but, but he's followed around by um, the actor that's been in every fucking film. Oh, yeah, the the guy, in, he was he's just mainly in the background in this, but he's typecast as but, that kind of guy every time. Well, he was, he was the waiter in, um, I know he was the waiter in, uh, no, he was not the waiter, that was somebody else. But what's his name? I don't remember. The guy with the glasses. He's an no, I, 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 I know who oh. you mean, though. Uh, let me see if I can find him. 
Is I, it, I agree uh, with Toronto ahead of time. Barry but, Cor- uh, no. Barry Corbin? No, that's the Southern no, guy. No, that, that's the pig-eyed sack of shit. Cohen brother favorite. And you know what? Let me tell you something. By the end of the film, I'm on his side. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why. The thing is, they, they build this like tension between uh, Corbin and um, Coleman. And like it's so... It's it's I guess as a kid it's a funny moment where he's like I've I've I've, I've been a, a, a assessing you a situation I'm really under the opinion that your program is is a is a sucks, is, sucks. <laughs> and it's like Danny Coleman apparently takes sucks like as if I fucked your mother he's like I don't have to take that from you you pig-eyed sack of shit I'm like whoa <laughs> how is Dabney Coleman not fired I but but how is how is Barry Corbin like not burying his foot in foot in his face? Right, exactly. Like these military guys. Um, like, oh yeah, you want to call me a pick out sack of shit? Oh no, I I expected more from you're you. You're thinking of the he's the hotel manager in Ghostbusters. That's exactly who I'm thinking about, Michael uh, Michael Ensign. Yep. Yeah, Michael Ensign. All right, yeah, it's you know what? Because all of his pictures on IMDb, he doesn't have his fucking glasses on. Yeah, still working and still alive. Yeah, he's in everything, but in this like. Holly kept like look look at look at that guy behind him. I was like, what? Pause it. He's like he's in love with him. <laughs> he's in love with it. Look at this. There's the one part where they first see the Whopper and he's standing behind Corbin and he's just staring at Corbin and Corbin's you know, like not even noticing him. He's like look at him. Look at the longing in his eyes. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like every scene with them. He'd be like, uh, go find this for me. Yes, sir. It's like I love you, sir. <laughs> it's just. That go back watch this again with that in mind. Every scene they're in, it's just the the sexual tension between those two is undeniable. Does that have to do with my movie challenge? No. No. Okay. Oh, you mean him? No, no, no. No, no, not that. him as an actor, like a direct connection. But there, there are some films where, um, like say the person in charge, he has someone that's under him who's in love with him and he doesn't know it. I can't yeah, think. I can't, I can't, I, Iron Eagle? No, that's not the film I'm thinking. (laughs) There's a couple of films that are on the tip of my tongue. I just don't remember what they are, but I very specifically remember that kind of sexual tension. I think think Barry Corbin and uh, Michael Enslin had much more romantic chemistry than Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm going to say it. Yeah, you're right. She's a bit of a slut in this film, too. I'll say it. I'll be up front with that. Bit of a slut, huh? I think I, I would call it just a little bit, just just enough where you know she's like, she's like, constantly egging on the nerdy kid. I don't know. There's something there's something a bit off about that. Well, I don't know. I don't the whole know. thing where she's in the bedroom with her, like trapping him between her legs. It's like, hey, 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 <laughs> hey! They just invite you to the barbecue. Stop wrapping your legs around his hot thighs, you fucking whore. <laughs> well, she did. He did give her an A. Yeah, but he wanted to put she, his D in her A. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, and something else bugged me again. There's a lot of a lot of '80s faces in this film. Is really, they really just everybody in here you recognize from something else? Sure, there's a lot of recognizable faces. In now, this. now uh, speaking of the opening of the film, uh, Mr. Liggett, the teacher. Yes. Oh, that famous line that uh, <laughs> your mother, your, your wife. Well, you're right. It's like uh, who, who came up with uh, asexual uh, pro- or production without sex? Your right. wife. Your wife. Your wife. <laughs> Alan Blumenfeld. Uh, now 
I looked through his credits. Not Alan Bloom. Yeah, Alan Bloomfeld. I swear to God, he's in a film where he's yelling, like, you can't do this. You can't. I, I'm, like, confusing him with a different actor, and it was bugging the shit Probably. out of me. But uh, he looks like this other guy. He's like, you know, you can't do this. Like, I, all I see is him, like, sweating with a bald head, yelling at somebody, and he's wrong. <laughs> he's wrong. You're yeah, wrong. But I, I, but he looks like the kind of person that, that sweats bald and yells at somebody and being wrong. Well, you have no but hair to soak up any sweat, so... Well, there's some... I mean, when I say bald, I mean on the top, not not That's shiny bald. usually where you sweat from the top. Yeah, well, uh, not everybody. Not too much from the sides. Now, War Games, I mean, we, we've kind of glossed over what the film's about. Do we need to go through that? This is such an iconic film. It is an iconic film. I think we do need to go through it very quickly. So, basically, you have this nerdy kid, underachiever, uh, which comes up later because they said he fits the perfect description of someone that wants to try and hack into our system and cause a war or espionage uh, because he's very intelligent, super intelligent, but he's an underachiever. And what happens is there's this company that makes video games for uh, your computer that he wants to play. So what oh, he does... Back, back, back then, they only had home video games for your computer. Right. If you weren't going well, to the that's arcade... Not true. That's, a, that's a fucking lie. So I should shut up, Scott. Shut the fuck up and let Joey continue. In 1983, there were game consoles yes. and, and whatnot. Yeah, and, when he opens the magazine for that ad for the computer, it's, it's, like, it's like a classic Atari ad. Right. With the whole whole family huddled around like a five inch screen. <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, and it's it's like they didn't make that now, making fun of the eighties. They made it in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, even in the eighties, they're like, man, we suck. Put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> so like, they, they we we sucked. The eighties sucked, real time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Really weird. I mean, it's just like real time. Yeah, this is the shitty. This is we. Twenty years from now, we'll be making fun of this by doing the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I mean, I always loved video games, but I never thought, as visually, that they were any good until about fifteen years ago. That was when I thought, shit, what I can play at home is way better than what I can get in an arcade. I, I for me, for me personally, it was around PlayStation. Even PlayStation, I always felt the arcade had better graphics and really? was a better experience. But they didn't. But PlayStation, they had stuff like Resident Evil, which at the time for me was like, wow, it's just like playing a movie. PlayStation was the beginning. Yeah, that's, um, what, that's what I'm saying. That's that's where I flipped over. Yeah, it was the beginning. But I never thought. That, now, don't get me wrong. I didn't think that PlayStation graphics or Sega Saturn, you know, around that time frame, uh, those graphics weren't any good. I just felt that. As far as graphics go, and as far as like the fun factor, I thought I still thought the arcade edged out home consoles. Even though I owned home consoles and I still had PlayStations and, and, and Dreamcast, um, not Dreamcast, uh, the Sega Saturn and whatnot. It wasn't until say around Xbox, um, the original Xbox, that I thought, "Wow, this is." This is amazing. This is way better than anything I can get in an arcade. And that's really, that's actually when arcades really started to die. They really started to die about 15, 16 years ago. Um, no one was going, like the, the malls got rid of their arcade. Remember you used to go to the mall and there used to be a whole huge arcade? Gone. No need for it. And that was about 15 or 16 years ago when that really started to happen. Um... <clears throat> so anyway, uh, to get back to the, the plot, this company, I think it's called ProVision or something like that. It's going to come up on the screen any second. 
unless I missed it. Oh, here it is. But um, he wants to play the games that they're going to be releasing, like in the next two or three months. Right. So he hacks into their system mm-hmm. and gets a list of all these games, and he thinks he's just, you know, seamlessly, not seamlessly, uh, childishly, uh, harm, harmlessly playing these games. It's a protovision. Uh, he's going to play these games uh, for nothing, and he's just going to have fun doing it. So he acts. So he accidentally hacks into NORAD. NORAD, and he plays a game called Global Thermonuclear War. And what it turns out is that's the computer that they have, the supercomputer that comes up with all these different scenarios for thermonuclear war, and who's going to win, and who's going to lose, and all these different scenarios as far as who, how many people are going to die, how bad uh, the cities are going to get hit, and all that stuff. So he hacks into that and decides to play that game and starts uh, essentially yeah, a countdown. A time. I think you're getting sidetracked with the bigger details. Basically, he, he interacts with an AI, an artificial intelligence, uh, which the 80s was all about, sure. uh, artificial intelligence, that, um, control, that is being used as a tactical, uh, strategical uh, machine at NORAD. Right. And the artificial intelligence thinks he's the professor, his old professor, his old creator. So when he decides to play the game, he starts playing it for real. And actually starts right. and trying to initiate World War Three. And the way that works is uh, he goes and he visits a couple of uh, computer geek hacker guys. And they basically give him a couple of hints that most good programmers will put in a back door to the program uh, so that no matter what anyone does, they could get in if they had to, to make changes or fix it if whoever they gave the program to fucks it up royally. So the this guy of uh, uh, Falken. Falken, Faulkner, Falken. whatever. Falken. 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 I thought it was Faulkner. But Falken. Anyway, he puts in a back door, which in turn turns out to be his dead son's name, Joshua. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. What <laughs> he has a he has a, a fucking dark line later in the film, where he basically tells Ali Sheedy that if they survive this, uh, that maybe she could grow up one day and have a kid and watch die. <laughs> yeah, well, it's you like, know, he's a cheery guy. Yeah, cheery. You know, those um, scientists, those those, sci- those godless scientists, you know, when when, when they lose something, they, there's no, there's nothing else to look at except dinosaurs. Exactly. Yeah. So he puts in this backdoor password, which Matthew Broderick figures out, which then starts off him talking to uh, Whopper and starts this uh, global thermonuclear war game, which then Whopper or Joshua doesn't understand that it's, you know, hey, I'm just having some fun. It's going through the whole thing. Right. Well, it it doesn't understand the difference between game and fantasy and reality right and it calls matthew broderick back well now, now you're getting into details we were just looking for the general overview okay yeah i mean no i mean now one thing i give it is you, you, you touched on it with the whole thing where he uh researches to try to figure out the back door one thing this film was actually very accurate on which is on which is a breakaway from our previous films about 80s computer technology exactly is that this the film is actually very accurate on Hacking techniques, hacking uh, techniques, uh, launch I mean, codes, how that's done. Not, not, 
not forget launch codes. What I'm saying is like the the, the hackers. This well, is a hacking movie. No, they, I get that, that was, but I was just going was more along the lines of its technology as a whole. Right, but talking about the hacking aspect. Okay. For a change, people using computers, it was very realistic. That I mean the whole idea of tracking down, doing hit, research on the developers of the game system going through garbage and finding stuff. That This is stuff that real hackers did. And I also love the fact that the film uh, in also included phone hacking or phone freaking, which at the time was just alongside of uh, hacking as far as, like, you know, your underground technologies. Sure. Uh, when I, he, that, that, that trick he does with the payphone right. is real. I that tried was, that, and I couldn't get it to work. So maybe I mentioned that in the last podcast where... Uh, I thought I was going to have a lot of problems with this film, with the computer uh, technology and me too. the 80s you and know. whatnot. And I said I tried that phone trick, and it didn't work for me. But I also tried that in, like, 1995. Right. Well, so here's, here's, <laughs> that's probably it, why it didn't work. Yeah, that was a true trick. In, in uh, the the uh, shorthand version of that back in the day, again, we're talking about early 80s, you know, right. uh, is you would take a paperclip and bend it up and stick one end in the hole of the uh, receiver and then touch the metal and you'd make that connection and you get a free phone call. After this film came out, so many people were doing this trick that the company started to have, they had to glue the hand, the, uh, the receiver head. Oh, so you could unscrew. Yeah, they had to glue them shut. That's how, that's how much that got around. That was a real thing. Uh, and I was like explaining to Catherine too. I said, yeah, Catherine, back then, uh, my, my, sorry, my older step, uh, stepdaughter, uh, it was like, yeah, back then the big thing was the Captain Crunch whistle. Oh. Somebody figured somebody figured out that the Captain Crunch whistle had like the same dial tone as, as uh, to be able to access the phones, and you could get free calls just by ha having this whistle. You actually had you had blind people. Uh, there was this one blind hacker, I forget his name, but they like he had perfect pitch, and he would, he could just whistle into a phone and get free long distance. Wow, because it was all done through tones. You know, it was before the digital age. Right, right. And so, like, seeing this kind of, like, old-school hacking stuff... I actually didn't know about the Captain Crunch whistle. Oh, yeah. You know, if you ever, ever want to, like, get a, like a, an idea of what hacking was like before computers were so mainstream, phone freaking with a PH. PH freaking. Okay. Uh, fucking amazing. Like, just the shit that was going down. Just with phones. I mean, it was, it was, like, it was like this whole underground movement against Ma Bell. Wow. Yeah, I, so, in a lot of those respects, I, I, I just thought... Even though it seems like such a wacky concept, yeah, and yeah, the whole idea of artificial intelligence plummeting us to World War III because it wants to play a game—that's a bit far-fetched. But the way they handle a lot of the other techno technology on his end, at least, very accurate. So yeah. I mean, that's and, a plus. And considering I that we've we've reviewed some, some pretty bad computer movies. Now, one thing I do have a problem with uh, when when he does hack into Joshua and they're playing Global Thermonuclear War. And uh, they're watching the screen, and all it is is like like a little white outline, and then some lines here and there, and little stats. And they're like, "Oh wow!" And they're just, they're drinking and eating pizza. They this is great. Holly's looking at it. It's like, wait a minute, Morgan Trail had better graphics than this shit. <laughs> you have died of dysentery. Had better graphics than destroying the world. What's going on here? Well, um... and 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 I looked it up. That that game's from the seventies. That was, well, I think Oregon that... Oregon Trail's from the 70s. No, I know, but that falls in line to... What was a... There was a style of game 
where it was just text. Was it called yeah. mu- mushing? Oh, text games. No, I know, but there's a style. I think it's called mush or mushings, mush games or something or mushing. That, that's that's that porn with the beans. Ignore it, that. Oh, is that what that is? Uh, I thought I could <laughs> swear that there was a style of game where it was mostly text, where you kind of you create text and with other players and whatnot and scenarios, and then it, here, let me but, look but, it up. But now, yeah, but you're but you're talking about where you're playing with other people, not just a computer game. Right. So well, no, I, I no, I think you can do. I think you can do uh, with just a computer. Right, but that would be like the Infocom text-based games, like Zork. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Zork had yeah, better like graphics. Choose, choose your fate, kind of stuff. Yeah, Zork had better graphics than what they were playing. Well, I can't seem to. Yeah, don't Google mushing. You're not going to like the results. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, here it is. Mush. Uh, multiplayer online game. Uh, yeah, there's no blah, bearing blah, blah. what we're talking about. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a role-playing style of game, so it's mostly oh. text-based, according oh, to this. You know, I-, I need to double back, too. The douchebag teacher at the beginning of the film. Yeah. Holly pointed this out. He's giving uh, an oral exam. He skips question number three. Oh, right. <laughs> I didn't even notice. I was like, wait, what does that happen to question three? Why? We had to rewind it. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, what was question three? This is a horrible... He's a horrible teacher. Horrible teacher. Horrible teacher. He gets distracted. No wonder his students hate him. Yeah. Now, here, here's another question. Yes. Uh, uh, I, for you, uh, during, and this is one of the little things that bothered me in the film, and Ho- Holly actually was complaining about this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the the dinner scene with his parents, with the raw corn. <laughs> yeah, can you explain to me why they were the camera was so obsessed with how he was buttering his corn? The the only thing I can think of. They show him butter his bread for a good minute and a half, then they have close up shots of him rolling it in the bread and butter. And she was like, what's the big fucking deal? He's buttering his brook corn. The, the only thing I can think of, the only thing I can think of was, is it showed in some way that his father was, to, as, as best I can come up with, it's a term that is now used now, not then, but like a life hack. <laughs> like he's buttered his bread for the sole purpose of using it to butter his corn and it's like hey i didn't get my hands dirty uh it it's an it's evenly coated my corn look how look how great this this life hack is it was bugging holly because she was like but now you wasted the bread and i was like well he's gonna eat the bread so no you don't know that he just threw that to the side he did did just throw it to the side yeah he was like oh no that's, I'm done with that bread. That's oh, what oh, I oh. essentially thought of when I saw that. It's like he sacrificed a slice of bread to butter his yeah. corn better. Right. So, I essentially thought it was like, oh, that's kind of like his son does computer hacks and he does life hacks. That's, you know what? <laughs> that that If that was what they were going for, you don't need two minutes for that. No, you don't. And you definitely don't need two minutes to set up a raw corn joke. Raw corn is raw corn. You don't need to butter it to know it's raw. <laughs> Actually, the fact that like that butter's melting on it even makes less sense as to how it's raw. Corn. Well, it was probably like fucking 
like margarine or I, a country still, crock there, or there, something. There would have been chunks of it all over that if it wasn't melted. Yeah, I that whole corn no. Didn't thing they get it like, from like a tub, like country crock? That shit's soft, twenty four seven, even in the refrigerator. Yeah, but it doesn't disappear when you put it on corn. He should have had butter on his lips and. Now, <laughs> I think the whole corn was the thing was a flawed endeavor by the filmmakers. I no, I, don't know. I, I think they were showing uh, how, in some way, he got his hacking skills from, uh, like his father being inventive about how he butters this, his corn. This isn't like when we first meet Data's father. Okay, I think it's a totally. I don't. I don't know if I buy that. You are my greatest invention. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I don't see that <laughs> happening. Hey. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with that, but that's the only you thing. If you want a, a, an analysis uh, or a, a reasoning for it, that's the best I can come up with. And I, it also bothered me that that um, Matthew Broderick's father yeah. uh, answers the door, and his geeky son waiting for him is this hot, jogging chick. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go in there now. And he doesn't even look up from his crossword. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I, I, maybe, I'm, he's, maybe he's a broken man. I'm immediately thinking this is American Beauty, like twenty years too soon. What the? Come on. No, I, <laughs> my son's my son's I, out right now. But would you like to talk? I mean, I think he's a broken man. I broken how? I I just broken. I, I wanted more of a reaction from him. That's all. Maybe maybe I, I'm a, I'm the worst person because of that. But still, you know, even I, I could have even done with a. You want my son? <laughs> yeah. You want that geeky piece of shit upstairs, the one that brings I mean, me home nothing but D's and F's? Yeah, I, really. Is, if he thinks I'm gonna I, waste money on college, he can go fuck and, himself. And, and you maybe? I it just uh, <laughs> uh, for, forget the fact they're both in their twenties at that point. Well, I mean, Matthew Broderick is twenty. Ali Sheedy, I didn't double check. Uh, yeah, she was twenty two. They're both twenty in real life. Were they really that old? Yeah, yeah. Alice Sheedy was born in '62. Matthew Broderick was born in uh, around the same time. Wow. '62. Uh, yeah. That's so maybe, maybe one I mean, the project they get away with it because even when Matthew Broderick did Ferris Bueller's Day Off in '86, that would put him at like 23, almost yeah. 24. He could still pull it off. Uh So. How, I, I, she even says how old she is at one part at, near the end of the film. I, I forget how she old she said. She says she's seventeen. She said 17. seventeen. Okay, yeah, bullshit. I'm seventeen. I don't want to die. And the only thing I can think of is like, there's like a seven year old that doesn't want to die either. <laughs> <laughs> Making it about you. Joshua didn't want to die, bitch. <laughs> I want to go to Paris. <laughs> sure. Oh, you know what else I noticed that the that trip to Paris was twelve hundred dollars in 1983. Uh huh. It's like holy fuck. I think I can yeah, go to Holly, Paris for less than that now. Holly, Holly's reading the wrong lines. Like, only $170? It's like, no, no. Oh, go to the left. <laughs> go to the left. That's the total. <laughs> you're you're looking like the drink charge. Keep keep going. Right. It was $1,200. Well, though, it was like $600, say, $600, $25 uh, per ticket I'm round ass, trip. I'm assuming it wasn't the Concorde, you know. I mean, right. It might have been first class. I didn't actually look that hard. But it was $1,200 for two tickets to Paris. And I think if you do it right, I think it only costs only a few hundred dollars more for two tickets to Paris. I'm not even going to guess on that. Oh, it's actually on the screen now. Oh, no. Never mind. They already did the Paris thing. 
he uh, he's talking to Joshua in a second. Or he's going to try to before he fails and then has to try and... Uh, the one thing you really have to give this film credit for from the 80s, uh, and this is true of films that really stuck with oh, us. No, he gets in. It's, uh, what? No, no, no. He actually is getting in at this point. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It fails. Go. Is that certain films... I mean, you had you did have talented filmmakers making this. I wouldn't call this a great film. It's not an Oscar film. No. But it was nominated one, for three Oscars, though. Probably technical shit. Maybe. Let me look. But But one thing the film has is it has very memorable moments. Yes, it I, I does. Frame-wise, frame long shots, medium shots, uh, shots of characters. There, I mean, like, one image that's always stuck in my head ever since I saw this film as a child is when they're trying to convince him to uh, to not launch the nukes back, and they have it, they go to do a shot of Matthew Broderick with his hand, like, praying with his hand on his chin. Yes, and that kind of, and that, like this is a perfect shot, and then like the long shots of just the the giant, you know, the, the room, the war room, so to speak, with all the screens, uh, just, even like the shot of like Matthew Broderick, uh, well, at the phone booth after the logger oh, yeah. drops him off. Well, with that, the three Oscar nominations are best sound, which I can give it that. Like even at the end of the film, where it's simulating the uh, the bombs hitting. That slight little buzz noise, it had my subwoofer kicking, and it really worked. You know what had my subwoofer kicking? What's that? No, uh, no it's smooth as glass out here, Captain. Well, I like the woman that was counting down to our doom. One minute to go. To, uh, one minute oh. to... Uh, what, what was the term? Uh, one minute to... Not touchdown, but... I forget. Basically, not, not... what she was saying is it's a minute until bombs explode <laughs> right now the, the um speaking of her but anyway the that... other two nominations are cinematography so you're right with all of these scenes where you're saying they're memorable and it's well done it got it's nominated for cinematography it's it's blocked out perfectly there's i mean every shot you can tell has been storyboarded with you know right full intention of what it's trying to do even like even the boardroom scenes like of uh of um dabney coleman and uh fucking corbin Pig eyes, uh, you, you know, sitting at opposite ends of the table and everybody arguing about shit, and then uh, uh, <laughs> sure, and then then James Token comes out of nowhere. He's a slacker. <laughs> oh, that guy, he's a slacker. <laughs> Did that guy ever have hair? <laughs> and uh, not. the 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 last uh, Oscar nomination was for best screenplay. Uh huh. So those were the three. So yeah, two of them were technical, but these are actually three really good Oscars for sound now, cinematography, which can help a film tremendously, and then of course this, an important one in screenplay. I think cinematography makes this film. I I, I think I, I don't think the subject matter is anything. Uh, yeah, the war room is awesome. Wacky. I think it just it's and again it's not beautiful, but it's 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 done with precision and in. Like when you look at other '80s films, you really have to respect that you know the director really knew what he was doing. Yeah, this this could have really fallen into that pile of '80s shit that nearly all '80s films kind of fall into. I mean, you have a, a good couple of handfuls of movies that really stand out. Uh, this could be one of them. Um, like you said, it's not a you know a great film, but it's a good film. 
And it's and, weird too because if, if you compare like as far just as far as direction, if you compare War Games to Blue Thunder, which which he directed uh, the same year. Oh uh, right, is that the one with yeah. Daniel, Daniel Stern helicopter movie? Is uh, Daniel Stern? Blue Thunder. Roy Scheider. The Daniel Stern was in that too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, but he was uh, he wasn't the main character. I I. I don't. Oh no! He was, oh no! He was a sidekick. Okay, yeah. No, he was a sidekick. Yeah. I remember dies. Daniel Stern more than Spoiler Rush. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they should have just called him <laughs> Goose. <laughs> uh, but that's a helicopter movie, right? No, that's a helicopter movie. That's the one with yeah. Yeah. That, that's the the that's the helicopter film. The besides, helicopter movie. Besides Airwolf. Fucking yeah. Airwolf. No, Airwolf wasn't a helicopter. The TV show was. I'm no. I'm thinking of Firefox. Firefox was... Uh, oh, with uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood in the plane. Uh, yes, Firefox. It's weird. Like, I, I just don't know. I don't know if... if I, I, I'm, like, looking at... The, the films that he did, he directed in this time period. I mean, also, Short Circuit. Uh, yeah. Stakeout, Bird on a Wire. I, I don't... These are know all any, memorable films. Well, I don't know if any of them really had that... They don't, like... For some reason, War Games just stands out in my mind that, like, every other shot is, like, it's almost like, it's like every other shot could be a part of the trading card set. Right. He, you're right, he did not do another film with the popular, well, he did Saturday Night Fever, but he did that a few years earlier. But other than, say, Saturday Night Fever and War Games, those are his two movies. Those are the most, I mean, and they're part of cinematic history, specifically Saturday Night Fever. Well, I, what I'm saying is War Games feels very polished. Oh, yeah. It, it was definitely because he had done TV, movies, and te television for almost a decade. Very clear-cut, very, again, very, it's, it's, it doesn't have the same feel as like a lot of his other films, I, I, don't, I don't think. No, it, it, you could tell it could just that. could be me. No, 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 you're right. You could tell that there's something different about War Games. And for, you know, I don't want to say that he did it all himself. He probably had some really great help, some really good people working with him to make this movie. You know, a you good... think Spielberg directed it instead, don't you? Ah, oh, yes. Now you're getting to it. No. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> no, but the, the, I'm sure he had a lot of great people working with him where... You know, a movie, for a lot of it, is a group effort. You know, as far as the assistant directors and the writers and the cinematographer really probably helped him throughout this film to put it sure. in the right way. You know, he knew what he wanted, but he had, you know, a great supporting cast to help out, too. Oh. Speaking so, of sexual tension. Yo, sure. Uh, I mentioned the whole thing with Michael Ensign and... Um uh, Barry Corbin. Barry Corbin. Let let now, and then we have the sexy uh, pilot's voice. Yes. Don't forget one of the creepiest scenes of the entire film: mustachioed airman sexually harassing nurse. <laughs> do you want me to leave? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not gonna, because <laughs> I, I have to stay around here and watch. Uh, those Matthew long Broderick. silences while while um while they show uh well, he start, Broderick, he, like, he starts off good. <laughs> oh, I don't know about good. He starts off like not actionable by HR. Right. <laughs> we'll put it that way. <laughs> but, but 
in between, like when those long silences with Matthew Broderick's like playing with stuff in the drawers, right. you just want to have the voiceover continue. You like my nightstick? Go on, touch it. I know you want to touch it. Go just on, the, just the tip. <laughs> and and then but he later, ha- he has her laughing at the beginning of that. At the beginning, know? yeah, and then she's like, "Yeah, go away." Now and I swear to, and I, I swear to God, when she's telling him how the computer works, it's only from the side. I swear that's a picture of the Death Star on that screen. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. But the nurse shouldn't be involved. No, probably now, not. A couple of the things about this whole scene with the nurse. He's in the, he, uh, Matthew Broderick's in the doctor's office and he finds that tape recorder. Right. And then he plays it. It's like, uh, the dilation of the pupils uh, consistent with pot abuse, uh, possibly PCP. I swear to God, that, w- <laughs> that was John Spencer from the beginning of the film. <laughs> Has to have been. Who else would be getting a psych evaluation or anything like that? That's like, <laughs> oh, maybe the guy who like almost got shot in the head? <laughs> so there's something to think about. Yeah. Now then, keep in mind that right. uh, Mustachioed Airman is, you know, just trying to rape the nurse uh, in the other room. Then you have the three guys coming up to get Matthew Broderick. The, th- the four of them. The third one in line sprays his mouth with with uh, breath freshener. Oh, with air? F- yeah. Oh, not with air. Breath- yeah, the it's mouth. Like, yeah. M- breath freshener, mouth spray, whatever. Uh, it's like, what the fuck? They're they're going for the nurse. They're, they're all like, yeah, while you guys get him, I got dibs on the nurse, too. Yeah. Like, they're lining up to harass this poor woman. Gang bang. Yeah. <laughs> the only other woman of note in the film is uh, Dabney Coleman's uh, assistant or whatever she is. I, I, I don't know, assistant. I mean, right, she's... and I, I think they're fucking on the side. Oh, no. He's banging the shit out of her. You know how you know? Because she chewed his gum. She takes his fucking gum. That's it. The minute that happens, like, yeah, he, yeah, Dabney's, Dabney's nailing that. There's yeah. no fucking way. And that's that seems like it's part of a like a side story that they probably cut. It ended up on the cutting room floor. It has to, because because then later, uh, when when Falcon comes in, first thing, like the second thing he says to Dabney is that I see your wife still picking out your ties or something of that nature. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah, you you married son of a bitch, <laughs> you motherfucker, really. <laughs> Yeah, because he's like yeah. he's like here, hold this, and he puts his gum in her hand. And she throws it right in her mouth. Yeah, who like, does that unless you're swapping spit? Yeah, yeah, that's that. Uh, I've heard worse in my mouth. <laughs> there's 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 a lot of side stories in this film that need to be pr- pursued. Again, I, I think I think uh, once they decide to get rid of humans and use the computers, and they show. Michael Madsen stealing the med kit and they walk out. I just want to follow those two guys for the next four hours. Right. You want to you you want to see that side story. Yeah. <laughs> Say, will the friendship last? <laughs> Watch. The Michael car- Madsen becomes Mr. Blonde out of that side story. Exactly. Most awkward carpool ever. <laughs> so I'm sorry I almost shot you in the face. Yeah, and then I want you know I, I want to see I want to see uh, Dabney Coleman uh, I want I want to see them somehow cross this movie with nine to five, nine to five. <laughs> That's all I can think of when I see Dabney Coleman in the film is nine to five. I'm sorry, it's like the film that. I, when I grew up, that's the film that had defined him in my head. The, my there, there's a there's a couple of films that I think of from the '80s, Dabney Coleman, and one is Nine to Five, the other is Modern Problems, and the the other <laughs> one is Cloak and Dagger. Those are like I, I, my three big Dabney Coleman films. He, he he looks exactly the same in all three. But but like my mind always goes to the character in Nine to Five because it's such a strong character. Oh yeah 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 yeah. You know. That, that's just it's like it's like you see Matthew Broderick, you don't think War Games, you think Ferris Bueller. 
Exactly. I, I honestly think that's the first thing you think of is Ferris Bueller. Everything else is kind of like, oh, he was this, 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 this. That's the personality you kind of cling to. Yeah. Like, uh, I, like yeah. I just added Project X to my collection recently. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I saw I'm that. Like, oh, yeah, he did this a year after Ferris Bueller. What happened? Yeah, he, he smokes in that. I can't watch that. He smokes in that. As to, you know, that something about watching Matthew Broderick smoke just irritates the living shit out of me. Irritates you? I don't even know why, but just that whole film. Killing monkeys, okay, but when he smokes them, like, and, and then he gives the cigarettes to the monkeys. Yeah. The bastard. So they, you know what it was? It was like them purposely trying to make him older. They say, what'll make this kid older? I don't know. Make him smoke? <laughs> yeah, he, because he, he looked like he was him... 20 years old up until like five years ago. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I got to, what year was Project X compared to uh, um, uh, the, the war film? The war film? What war movie? He was in the a war, war movie? movie. Yes, he was in a war. Yeah, he was in a war movie. Oh, you're thinking of Biloxi Blues? That's a war movie. <laughs> I guess it kind of is. It kind of is, and <laughs> it, along the lines. Uh, I think it's Biloxi a war Blues movie. was '88 or '89. See, yeah, almost only a year apart. And so, like in Biloxi Blues, they're, they're making him like he's a 15 year old. Oh, you know what? He was in Glory. I think that's the war movie you're thinking of, actually. No, I, no, I, no. You were thinking of Biloxi thinking... Blues. I was thinking of Biloxi Blues, yes. Okay, so he did uh, Biloxi Blues in 88. He did Glory in 89. Right. So, I mean, so in 87, it's like, yeah, he's he's this tough guy, and he's older, so he's smoking cigarettes. Then we got a Biloxi Blues. Now he's like this young guy again. And then we go to Glory. It's like, no, I'm going to run the Confederacy. It's like, yeah, they can't. It's, the only way they can make him older is either slap a beard on him or make him smoke. <laughs> and both of them don't work for me. I don't like him in Glory either uh, at all. Right. He has. He does have a beard. No, he has a mustache, a little little. In thing. glory. Yeah, yeah. He's he, got like he, one of those curled up, like you twist wax on the end kind of mustaches. Yeah, they, they threw facial hair on Matthew. Facial hair doesn't work on Matthew Broderick. Mustache. Ma facial hair, cigarettes, no go. That's no, that's a that's a deal breaker for Matthew Broderick. That's a deal breaker. It is. Even like now, I mean, if you uh, see him in a film now, he's like, yeah, he better he better be clean shaven and not smoking, otherwise I can't fucking deal with it. Exactly. Okay. That's that's it, and I think it's the, I, I, the only it's the only film I ever remember him smoking in is Project X. Yeah, it, it, uh, not even in Welcome to Wellville. That's the Kellogg's movie with yeah. Anthony Hopkins. I don't think he he had a beard in that, but I don't remember him smoking in it. You know what it is? It's like Johnny B. Good. Project <laughs> X is Johnny B. Good. Project X is I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stop playing goofy kids now, and I'm gonna play a serious role. Right. As well, a, he tried to do that the year before without a bounds. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Uh, he well, did a that, film that, the year before called Out of Bounds, where it was like he was like a kid on the run, but he was like. But he was still. Yeah, it was, was a still, serious. He wasn't very. It wasn't funny or anything. But he wasn't. He wasn't trying to. But like Johnny B. Good was him trying to break out of that entire like pers persona. No, I know what you mean. It's like because yeah, he, I he, mean obviously he grew up. He was. You know, he was a, a teenager, early 20s. And then when he did Edward Scissorhands, he just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Until he did the Dead Zone TV show. Yeah, because everyone's like, yeah, he's even worse than this than he was in Johnny B. Good. And now, he's almost all, unrecognizable now. He's, he's more good. blonde than ever. He's good now. I like him now. I like no, him no, 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 no. He's fine. He's, he's actually always been fine. But 
now he's either gray like he's his hair is going white and because it's blonde it looks like it's almost it, and it's it's like when the light hits it he doesn't look like he has eyebrows anymore his light his hair has gotten so light and he's so fair-skinned mm. well it's a, it's a weird thing too is like you take someone like that who, who who you know grows up playing this geeky uh goofy kid in all these films and it's like yeah but now i'm older and i'm gonna i'm gonna get beefed up and i'm gonna be the, the handsome built kid and then he does it and they're like yeah, there's a dozen of you guys everywhere. What the fuck? Who hears about this shit? And that's that's why it falls apart. By the time he does Edward Scissorhands, all he's doing is playing Johnny B. Good gone bad. And it's just, it's like, ah, I'm done with it. Yeah. yeah and even when we get stabbed, it was like, oh, okay, we're done with this character now. And, oh, spoiler alert. Yeah. So, well, moving on just, with the plot of the film. Oh, what? They, there's, they, more, there's more well, plot? Well, they, they finally trace Matthew Broderick and they track him down and they, they pick him up. They take him to NORAD and they ask him a whole bunch of questions and he's telling them the truth, but they don't want to believe him because to be honest, it does sound kind of crazy. Hey, I, this computer's calling me and it's, you know, wanting to play this game. And they're like, no, 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 you're working with somebody. So he escapes and tries to go visit Faulkner or Falcon. 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 F. F A L K E N Falcon. Ian Falcon. That's what I like to do. I like to, I like to get Falcon. All right. <laughs> what? Now you don't like Chip Chipperson. Consider this. Anyway, so anyway, the, he meets up with him and convinces him to come back to NORAD uh, to try and help out. Here, Falcon. Think, think about this, and this is something that's kind of unique for a film. Yeah. There are no bad guys in this movie. No. I mean, except for the Russians, but it's a game, so no, it's not actually we, we happening. Don't, no, the, we, we don't talk to the Russians. The Russians aren't even involved in this film. The, well, the, he's playing the Russians. He's and they're, 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 Which means there's no Russians in the film. No, 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 that's what I'm <laughs> getting at. It's like he said when he's playing the global thermonuclear war, who do you want to be, the United States, or do you want to be the Russians? And he picks the Russians because it's always cool to be the bad guy when it's, you know, a game. So... There are no bad guys except for the the verbal. Well, we know the Russians are bad. It's fake. Oh, Nothing's happening. There are no enemies. All right, in, uh, so, but so, it's like this fake war with a known enemy. That's side. That's as aside, close as you get. Aside from the two sides fighting the nuclear war, right? I'm talking about even like characters. There are no bad guys. Right. There are no. I mean, you have assholes. Uh, like um, slacker guy, right. and uh, I mean Dabney Coleman. I think Dabney and... Coleman's a bigger asshole than Barry Corbin, in my I, opinion. I, I, no, I don't think either of them are really assholes. They're both trying to solve problems. They're both trying to do the right thing. Neither of them is is does anything that's necessarily evil or ne 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 you know nefarious. They're just they're, they're actually all trying to trying to avoid war. It's really, yes. none of them, they're not trying to save their careers, they're not trying to do this, they're all just actually trying to do something. Even the people that are going after Matthew Broderick are doing so because they think he's trying to start a war. Yeah. It, so, you know, Matthew Broderick's on the run to try to, you know, to clear his name. The only real bad guy in the entire film is uh, the, the teacher. <laughs> I, I really think he's the only one you can say, yeah, that guy's a douche. <laughs> oh, oh! I've got a present for you. Holds the paper up with the after you can see. There's no call for that. You're an asshole. <laughs> the, the 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 only thing this film needed but was then like again. After... 
you don't know. He could be a broken man too. Like Matthew no. Broderick could have been put him through so much shit no. that year. No, he's an asshole. He's that. The only, the only, this, this should have had a, uh, this film should have had a Ferris Bueller ending after the credits, where the the Secret Service van stro- ro- rolls up to the school while he's outside, and like four agents get out and just kick the shit out of him. I fast just forwarded through stuff. the end of the credits because I was like, nah, they probably don't have anything after this, but I checked anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ending this should have had. I also like at the end where, where Daniel Coleman tussles Matthew Broderick's hair. And oh. I'm like, yeah, you're still going to jail for 30 years. Uh, <laughs> I don't, yeah, you, you, you're still going to jail. Or it could be like, uh, how, when are you 18? You want a job? <laughs> could be one of those. They, it, it's, it, do you know how many hackers the, the U.S. government has hired? All these hackers that do all these, uh, these amazing uh, hacks into our, our government and, and whatnot... When they get caught, most of the time the government offers them a job, and most of the time these guys take it. If, if I if I remade this film, the end would be Falcon and the kids each get a bullet in the back of the head. <laughs> pew, pew. They bury him in the fucking giant whopper case when they get rid of that giant whopper. The only thing I kept thinking, I was like, hmm, do I want a whopper for lunch today? I don't know. First of all, I don't know why Burger King didn't jump on that. I guess I guess they thought nuclear war wasn't a good way to sell uh, food to kids, uh, and imagine how different the film would have been if they'd called it Big Mac. Big Mac. <laughs> uh, they probably would have. Hey, you know what? I wouldn't. Nowadays, it'd be called Big Mac. Fucking ridiculous shit that they decide to make now. Sometimes. I so. think they should remake War Games. I think War Games could be remade. Here, here's my here here's my idea for it. Um, they do send Matthew Broderick to, da- to jail. Okay. Uh, he gets out like 20, 30 years later, and he he gets up with the um, with the uh, anonymous people and other hackers, and they decide to try to bring the system down and actually start World War Three for real. I mean, here's the problem I have with that. And you call the sequel War Games for real. The problem I have with that is something like computer hacking and computers in general, if he doesn't have constant access to computers and technology, I don't see him being that productive of a hacker 20 well, no, or 30 years later. Well, no, that's why he, you get the 80s montage and he gets up to speed. <laughs> I, I just don't see it. It's like he gets you know half an hour of computer time. I don't think that's enough to keep up with, uh, with hacking twenty, thirty years down the line. It'd be a cross between Mr. Robot and Ferris Bueller. <laughs> I think it's. I think it'll work. He's just so good that he can grasp it, no matter what the fucking era is. I say you and I bang out a script this weekend. We'll <laughs> shoot it out there. This weekend, he says. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> um. But, I mean, you're right. It's not a bad film. No, I mean, it's, it's not. One, it's, I, it's I, those... I, I did enjoy it. I remembered enjoying it when I was a kid. I hadn't, I probably haven't seen this movie in 25 years. But, but um, you know what? This, you know and what I, still, I still liked it. I, I would compare War Games to Transformers. You mean the, Bear one, with me. the one now? Yeah. The one the that movie. came out in 07? Okay. Yeah. Because at the time it was a big film... It was meant for like a fail as a family film, even though there's like adult concepts and everything. And it 
doesn't really need to be taken seriously, even though they're serious themes. Okay. I mean, the 80s is a lot different than now. You know, there's Innocence Lost. There's new areas that, that, that well, go to. Well, I mean, to. in the 80s, I mean, what they were really touching on with this is basically the Cold War. Well, it, it was, yeah. In fact, you know, we, that's why they had no. that one little quick shot of Reagan. It was just like, okay, well, we get it. Our generation grew up when we were in kids in school with the concept, uh, the constant concept that, yeah, World War Three could happen tomorrow. Right, and now we're and, so, we're and, so muted to that, we're so numb to it. When it happens, well, we're not even going to know it. Well, it's become kind of a misnomer now. After twenty years of it, you're like, yeah, odds are it's not going to happen. Right. Um, well, I, we, something that I always said as a kid. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no go, ahead. go ahead. Something that I always said as a kid, and I'm surprised I said it as a kid because it's kind of uh, too adult. That there's no money made in the end of the world. There's no money in it. Everyone wants to make money. If you have a if if you destroy the world, if there's nothing left, why would you do that? Why so, wouldn't you want to avoid it at all costs? And I think that's why we're that's at the, this point now, where it's like, yeah, it's not going to happen. If it does, it's probably going to be by a fucking accident. That's the theme of war of the film, obviously. Right. It's also the the big lie behind the uh, amassing nuclear weapons is the whole idea of assured mutual destruction. Mutual assured destruction right. plan, which ironically, uh, the anagram for that is MAD. <laughs> um, but I mean, what, what I, I kind of to understand fully how war games uh, uh, works in, in the '80s, you got to think that there, there's two generations. There's a generation now that's like, okay, uh, yeah, there's nuclear weapons everywhere. You can blow up the world ten times. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to a possibility. You go before our generation, you've got duck and cover where, oh, yeah, they have bad weapons, but if you just, like, get on your desk, you'll be okay. <laughs> and then you had us where all pretenses were dropped in the 80s, and it was kind of like, yeah, you could die tomorrow. Sure. That's why movies like The That's, Day After Tomorrow were, uh, the were, day, were the made. Day, the Day After. The Day After were made. I make the same mistake. That fucking Day After Tomorrow movie had to come out <laughs> and just fuck it up so you keep saying that. No, the, it's like, no, 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 the one with Jeff Goldblum. No, I mean, not Jeff Goldblum. Uh, 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 Steve uh, Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg, yeah. Or Steve um, Gutenberg. What's his it's face? My favorite, um, it's my favorite Steve Gutenberg film because he he dies slowly from radiation poisoning. So that's <laughs> it's the best one. Uh, who was the other actor? Big actor. There's um, a bunch of them. Uh, so, um, you're thinking of uh, uh, what's his name? He was in uh, Once Upon a Time in the West, and fuck, he's a huge what? actor. Max yes. von Sydow? No, 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 no. Um, uh, There's only 40 actors in that film, so I don't know which one you're talking well, about. Well, the, the one that I always remember, Jason Robards. Jason Robards, Something Wicked This Way Comes. Yes, and he was yeah. in the, the Once Upon a Time in the West, and he was in Parenthood and all that. You know, he was a huge actor, made a ton of movies. Yeah, you, you're naming all the bad ones. Something Wicked This Way Comes. Yeah, well, those are the ones I like. <laughs> <laughs> why do we do we not have a podcast about this is, is there is there is not a reason why we do this because we, because we 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 watch the bad stuff and that's the ones we enjoy the most um but jason robards i always remembered him being in the day after along yeah with yeah Steve as, as the doctor yeah yes. you know, you're right they're, they're like the two big ones yep uh so have we kind of set our piece I, I kind of guess, yeah. Really yeah. to add? I don't think I really have anything else to add. No, I mean... It, I mean, it's, 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 well, you know what I always like to do is I always like to talk about the budget and how much it made. It cost $12 million. It made $80 million domestically. It doesn't have it was a foreign... 
uh, total because I don't think we really did that. There was not really a market for it back then. But it made eighty million dollars. It's a well, lot of money. You look back, and it's, it's it was it was a, it was a simpler time, Joey. Yeah. When uh, when you could have a film like this, where the biggest special effects were uh, big screens and yeah. graphics that uh, Oregon Trail blows away, and that could be your big summer blockbuster. Was it a summer film? Yes. Yeah. June third. June third. It um, came out. And now you come to, to now. And the only way you're getting noticed is if it's a $300 million film, robots are killing dinosaurs, and it's... Speaking of it, which, the, the last Transformers film is doing horribly in America. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. It costs 200 and something million dollars, and I think it's only made 120 here in the U.S. What, what could possibly be the reason for that? Well, it's the fifth one, and no one gives a shit anymore. <laughs> I, and I hear they're going to reboot the franchise. It's like, how are you going to reboot a reboot? I mean, oh. they've done it before, but what are they going to do that's so different? I, I, all I know is I'm just waiting for the next Saw film. Yeah, oh, yeah, Jigsaw. I'm oh, yeah. so giddy about that. Oh, yeah. we got to figure out what oh. we're doing. If we're going to do Midnight or if we're just going to do like a regular night. We're doing something. Whatever it is, we're making a special. Oh, yeah. I I'm, I'm, thought, looking, I'm looking forward we, to it. We thought 7 was the end of our ritual, but now we have a whole new one. Yeah, and this um, is probably going to spawn off probably another five seven movies i hope so i really hope so um so uh okay rating so, uh currently 7.1 on imdb i am totally I'm, fine with giving this a seven no it's not a great film i mean if you broke it down it is there's there's not much new to it, it it's it's by the books it's by the books it's it's good it's, storytelling it's better than a, it's better than a six to me though it, compared to the other 80s films, I think it's an easy 7. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I'll go 7 with you. I can't Perfect. argue. Like I, I spent enough time defending the cinematography of it. Uh, <laughs> and I would really I mean, like to find... I would really like to find William H. Macy in those, in that in that uh, war room setting. Well, anytime they're in NORAD, you just got to look for them. Yeah, apparently... Um, so yeah, seventy-five thousand votes on you on yep. YouTube, IMDb. YouTube, yeah. It's not even worth looking at the demographics. It's, everyone thinks the film's seven. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's literally seven right down the line. Yeah, I mean, average highest score is a, a seven point six from females under eighteen. Because Matthew Broderick, Matthew Broderick. is because it's Matthew Broderick and not Chris Evans. And the second highest, yeah, right. And the second highest is a seven point four females age forty-five and up. Also, Matthew Broderick. They grew up when this film came. They were the same age as Matthew Broderick, or actually in their teens, early mid-teens. You know, thinking, and, you know, Matthew Broderick, how dreamy he was. And they're over forty-five, so they haven't heard of Chris Evans. <laughs> no, they have. Trust me. Yeah, they have. You're right. <laughs> That's what they they've named their friend. <laughs> oh, Chris Evans, let's go. All right. So, my challenge to you, sir. Okay, so, can I make some guesses? Right off the bat? Okay, go ahead. Oh, do you want to give me give me a hint, then? What I was going to say is, is uh, I'm, I'm going to break a little bit away from... I'm, I'm keeping it in the same ballpark. Okay. I, I, I was, originally, I was like, yeah, I'm going to give them Hackers or something like this, because I really want to stay with computers in the 80s, although Hackers was a 90s film. Uh, but yes. I was like, you know, let's take a step back. Uh, this uh, the hint I will give you is that 
Uh, there is a connection to theme-wise, but I won't get into it 100%. But okay. this is a film that we have mentioned in the past. It's, this is one of those, it's about time we reviewed it, movies. It's about time we reviewed it, okay. Yeah, this is, this is one of those films where like, I tell you, be like, yeah, it's about time we reviewed that. Is that my only hint? No, uh, no. Oh. <laughs> well, that's your first hint. I, there's one other one, and then I'll tell you. Okay. There's, there's still a connection. All right, I'll tell you. I'm not going with computer hacking, okay. but I am sticking with the idea of video games. Video games. Video yes, games. It, video games. And video we games. are still in the 80s. We're, we are firm in the 80s. Oh, shit. It's got to be Tron. That was initially what I was going to challenge you to. It's not and Tron. I was, and I was really excited about it. But it's then okay. Holly pulled this out of her ass and i was like well shit that's a much better idea so if it's not tron and it's video games don't get too caught up in the video game aspect it's not midnight madness is it no it's not midnight because madness. there's that whole scene with the video games and midnight no, madness yeah i don't think i'm up for doing midnight madness and it's 80s fuck what, what it's could it... it's also a summer release Okay. Oh. I I feel like I, uh -oh. I I like I can I can see it in my head, but I I I'm drawing a blank. Really? Yeah. It's like no, it it video games. Ah. The first thing that came to my mind was obviously Tron. Uh, and again, that was going to be your your uh challenge, but then Holly came out of left field, and I was like, holy shit, much better idea. She gets full credit for this challenge. Why the fuck can I not think of it? I'm seeing I, it in my head. I mean, there's, a, there's, 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 be, there's an I, arcade involved in one of these scenes, right? Yeah, and I, yeah, and I, and I think the main reason that she, she came up with this idea was because I don't think she wants to watch Tron again with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't blame her, but... Oh, man. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of it. Can I get an actor? Um, Can I get an actor? Because uh, if I don't get it after an actor, then I'm just I, then I, I don't I really, know. I really feel like the actor is going to give it to you, though. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm going to give you. Uh, what's his name? I don't want to give you him. <laughs> Robert Preston is in it. Robert Preston? Yeah, the music man is in this. The music man? Robert Preston. He played the music man in the, in the movie, the music man. No. I don't, it's, I, Robert Preston doesn't, doesn't do anything for me. I'm pretty sure Robert Preston played the music man. I don't care. I, I, the music man... <laughs> it, it, once you tell me the title, the Music Man will it'll the, the, it'll all come flooding back. But I, 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 the Music Man ain't doing shit for me. That, that was bugging me. And I don't want to make sure he, he was in the Music Man because I don't, I don't want to have. Yeah, he was the Music Man. He played Harold Hill in the Music Man. All right, I'll give you one more actor name: Lance right. Guest. Lance Guest. I can't see his face. Yeah, yeah, no, and I don't blame you for that. All right, I'm gonna give it to you. <laughs> all right, what is the, it? The, the Last Starfighter. Oh, the la- Oh, fuck. 
You know, oh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Let, let, let me, yeah, it is about time. And let me tell you something. I, I was just thinking of that film because somebody, uh, there's like a remastered edition of it. Um, and I wanted to see if it was better than the copy I already have. Oh. And, uh, and it, what was funny about, about this, uh, with, as far as uh, video games go, because they were doing arcade stuff, I was thinking of The Last Starfighter when I watched this because of that scene of Matthew Broderick in the arcade, and he's playing like Galaga and all that, and then I was thinking, exactly. you know, in The Last Starfighter, he's playing this game where the graphics in the game were ten times better than anything that was in any arcade in that time period. Uh-huh. And the reason for that is because, and I'll save most of this for when we do the review, they were using craze machines to do the special effects in The Last Starfighter. And it was a big deal because they there's a little um, featurette that's on the DVD, the special edition DVD and the Blu-ray, where they have it's like a 20, 30 minute featurette where they show these craze machines and they show uh, like the special effects they were doing at the time with the ball and you know morphing and like spinning on its axis and all that shit yeah. uh, on the axis and all that. And I was just thinking, I was like, you know, I did think of the last Starfighter when I was watching this movie. I did not think that that it would be a challenge i the movies that i was thinking that could be a challenge were movies like um uh i i i had my heart set on tron you had i really did until until holly said yeah no no do that do that shit with the 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 space guy it's like the what do the do do that thing with with the, the the space guy and you know he takes him up and you know the one he's he's the something or other he's like the next He's the next one, or the ne- he's the last. Oh, the last starfighter. That's the one. She nailed it. I love that movie. Growing up as a kid too, I have not seen that movie in a really long time. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to hold up well. I no. I know it's not going to hold up well because I've watched bits and pieces of the last starfighter not that long ago, and I'll tell you what. What really doesn't hold up are the special effects. You know what the they funny thing are is? so computer generated and so I rem- bad. I remember watching this on cable like five years after it came out, and was like, and thinking, "Wow, these graphics suck." <laughs> We're talking five years. Where's yeah, it? like what 85, uh, 89? When did that come out? 84? 84. 84, right? Yeah. Yeah. And think about what they were doing just a, like a year later, like in nineteen ninety, Total Recall came out. If you just think of the special effects that they were putting in films as early as, say, five years earlier, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty huge difference. And then a year after Total Recall, when they did Terminator 2, that just, like, broke the mold as far as yeah, so- what, what they're doing now is because of what they did in Terminator 2. Yeah, and T2 was one of those groundbreaking, uh, yeah. oh, yeah, look look at this shit. It, it melts. Yeah, what? $100 million, yeah, liquid metal, $100 million uh, or $110 million is what the movie cost. And you could see that they spent a lot of money making that movie. Um, special effects, even now, don't hold up that well. No. But it still holds up enough that you can enjoy the film. You know, I think the practical effects in T2 hold up more than the special effects do. Definitely. I, I think, like, the stunt work and, the, the, the you know, the practical 
action sequences. I, I think those are more uh, still impressive today, whereas the CGI stuff is like, oh, yeah, so, all right, so he's uh, an amorphous blob. I gotcha. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just me. that movie was 20 minutes longer. It was cut to, you know, two hours and 17 minutes or whatever. Uh, but the extended laser disc cut, like one of the more, more practical scenes is when um, Sarah Connor is working on Schwarzenegger's wounds and mm-hmm. uh, Linda Hamilton has a twin sister, an identical twin sister. I don't know if you remember yep. this from the featurette. Yeah, well, of course I remember that. Yeah, well, James That's Cameron... That's how they do the whole end scene. That is how they do the whole end scene. Um, well, uh, James Cameron had her sister on the other side of what was supposed to look like a mirror. And they were just doing the exact same thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty... That's I mean, that's a pretty cool scene. I mean, see, that, once you know that it's a twin, it's like you could see all the mistakes. But it's still neat. You know, that's like back when James Cameron like was a good filmmaker. Yeah. Remember that? What happened? Remember remember those days? Yeah, the last film that he did that I really enjoyed was True Lies. I wow, I mean that That was in ninety four? I think uh, that was ninety four. I gotta look at I mean and you know what? Like True Lies is still a guilty pleasure for me. I, I don't yeah. like the term guilty pleasure. But honestly, True Lies is like, I shouldn't like this. Yeah. I really shouldn't like this, but I do. Um, no, Strange Days was after that. I like Strange Days. But he only, uh, he didn't oh, direct that was, Strange Days. That was a story. He, that was he a screenplay. Wrote, he wrote Strange Days for right. his then wife, Deborah Bigelow. Right. No, you're right. Uh, um, True Lies was the last good film he directed. Yeah, because then he did Titanic and literally never had to work again. <sighs> And he decided to make Avatar, where now he really never has to work again. And that's why it's taking him ten, like a fucking decade between movies. I don't know. Man, the Titanic, epi- the Titanic episode was fun. <laughs> that was a long time ago. I need to give what you the rip like tracks. Episode 70, 69, something remember. like that. Hey, I'm going to America. America, fuck I, I, the you. Rip, the riff tracks of that is hilarious. I, I can't watch that without the riff tracks any, at this point. Oh yeah, I, I got to get that to you. It's one of the better ones. Okay. I mean, it's just. Uh, I should just get the riff track and just sandwich it onto my uh, my movie. Mm-hmm. I could do that. that that's, that's what I did. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's definitely worth it. Oh, so yeah, my leg hurts. So. Well, as you get for talking so long about yeah. war games. Yeah, it's time. I wanted to keep this to an hour. Last two weeks, I'm like, yeah, I got an excuse of why I can keep this to an hour and just not not good at doing it. It's physically impossible, sir. You know it. It is impossible. All but, right. But well, I'll let you it. go, and we'll let our listeners go. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah, next yeah. week, uh, unless something weird happens, uh, you know what? I'm going to say right now, there's a 25, 20% chance I'm, I might not be available to record next week. What's next week? Next week is the 10th. Yeah. I'm available. I, I'm available. My, my new job, it's like there's a, like a 20% chance they may ask me to work a couple of nights. Oh, okay. And I'm not saying no because I love this job. Uh, so I'll, we'll know in advance, and I know I haven't posted anything on the Facebook page. The last month's been weird, so it's really the the podcast has been the only thing out there. Uh, but I'm just throwing that out there now. So if you're listening, there might be another week delay, but that's a iffy. Okay. 
That's fine. I don't think it matters. I probably shouldn't have even said anything. What the no, fuck? No, because no one's going to know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, as always, thank you for joining us uh, here at Movie Sucktastic. Uh, episode 251. Um, go to our website at moviesucktastic.com. Which shit? Or we'll I have, kill you. I have oh, to sorry. renew our URL for moviesucktastic.com. It expires tomorrow. Oh, she, get it, on that. It expires at midnight. Uh, I'll you wait to the last minute? Yeah, they gotta, yes. they gotta want me. <laughs> no, they'll fucking cancel us in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, the the other two URLs I did, the best worst movies and uh, best bad movies, I, I wasn't seeing any any forwards or hits coming from those, and it's like it came time to renew them. I'm like, I'm not gonna spend like fifty dollars to renew this shit. I like the URLs. Uh huh. It's one of those like two URLs. It's like, oh, maybe someone will come to us and want to buy them off of us. But you know what? I don't. If no one's gotten them by now, I, I don't think anyone's gonna. I, I, whatever. Uh. Anyway, so go to moviesucktastic.com, download the show there. You can listen to the show right on the website, or you can tune in every Thursday at eight o'clock live with us and review and uh, hear us talk about the film. Uh live every thursday um you can go to itunes and you can download the show or listen to the show there you can leave us email at the movie guys at moviesucktastic.com if you want to leave us voicemail it's 908-514-4470 uh you can go to our tumblr page at moviesucktastic.tumblr.com and you can get the android app uh that has everything i just mentioned in it and it's 100 percent free highly recommend it uh everybody should have it it's so easy. You just hit the button, you can go to feeds, and then boom, there's all of our podcasts, and you could just listen to them right on your phone. That's how Holly listens to it, uh, to and from work every day. Yep. So, best way to do it. Yep. Uh, and that's about it. Do you have any words of wisdom, Mr. Wilson? I don't have to take that from you, you pig-eyed sack of shit. Yeah, I'd expect a little better from you, uh, being such a uh, educated man as yourself. Touche. <laughs> Touche. All right. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, damn, Nicole was fucking her. Totally fucking her. She's willing to chew that gum. She's willing to chew something else. Uh, she was... Oh, yeah. Speaking of blowing bubbles. Yum. <laughs> I got your war games right here.